How's everybody doing this morning? Great. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to uh, share this morning. We've been in a series called Life Hacks, um, Life Hacks on Common Solutions to Common Problems, and um, I'm going to jump in on this series uh, this morning, and I'm excited. It's one of those ones that has, over the last couple weeks, um, you've been like writing notes and preparing, and I'm like, I have way too many notes. So Matt said it was okay, and you guys were okay to be here till about 1.45. Um, so we're going to roll with that. Um, but I thought before I got going, no, on a serious note, though, there's so much that I wanted to talk about this morning um, in this. So we're going we're gonna to try to cram a lot in, um, but I really, I really think it's going to be beneficial. It's already been beneficial to me, um, preaching to myself all week. So it's, I love it when you're preparing and doing those things. But there are some other life hacks that I wanted to share with you this morning that I thought were um, quite convenient as well. And I might get in trouble with some parents, but some parents might like me. But the first one I want to show you is, is got to do with um, hiding candy. And uh, so I don't know if you have many kids uh, that kind of steal candy in your house, but if you want a little life hack of hiding treats in your deep freeze where kids can't find them, just get a bag of edamame beans and uh, cut it open and throw some Snickers in there and stick it in the freezer, and your kids will never go near that bag. I promise you. And you can just go get your treat there. Um, anybody uh, have, like, plug in multiple devices all the time, and you have, devi- like, cords on your desk, right? Your laptop, your phone, your iPhone, your, if you use an Android, I don't know why, but uh, you have to plug it in, you have to get power, right? And cords get tangled. Um, go into your kid's room and, and steal a little minifigure, of their Lego and glue it to your desk and then you could do this. It's the perfect size in their hands. They just hold your cords and nothing gets tangled. And when you're ready to plug your phone in, you just go and you grab that one and and put it in. Another pet peeve of mine is uh, toothbrushes. Anybody else uh, with their kids, like they just make a mess with toothbrushes in the bathrooms at home? Anybody? Your kids are old enough that they shouldn't be making, but you're, wowzers. it's one of my biggest pet peeves, and I saw this one, and maybe we're going to implement this, but just grab a clothespin and attach it to, and voila, right? Someone likes that. Maybe you're not as enthused with me about that, but I like that one. Now, parents, don't get mad at me for this one, but kids, um, you're not really allowed to have your cell phones in school, right? It's like, it's like new rules, but there's a hack for it if you really want. I do this one in meetings all the time here with the staff, um, but you want to throw this next one up and... You can just pretend and stuff your sleeve with something. Put it up on the desk there. Put your phone down there. Matt has no idea when we're in staff meetings that I'm actually watching football. Um, you can try that one. Again, don't, kids, don't blame me when you get caught, okay? Another one, I don't know if I should show this one or not, but I wish I knew this one in high school. And I won't really speak about it. I'll just throw it up there. I cannot be held accountable for the actions of your children. Um, and I think I have one more, and this one goes out to all the college students that sometimes uh, live off pizza and ramen noodles, and maybe you're in a dorm room where you don't have a kitchen, you don't have a microwave, but you might have an iron, or maybe one of your roommates have an iron, and you have a hair dryer, because when you, when you warm up pizza, when you reheat pizza, maybe it's just me, but is your pet peeve, like the crust is no longer crusty, it's like soggy? You just put it in the microwave, right? And nobody, nobody's got time for that, right? So here's, here's what you do. You take your iron, you take your hair dryer, and voila. Crusty crust, melted cheese. Boom. 
easily done, right? And then my last one, because uh, this happens to me at the office, I do have a coworker here this morning. Um, she's not a culprit of this, but anybody steal your pens all the time? Like if you have a nice pen, like mine gets stolen all the time. We have this conversation. So I saw this and I'm going to try it. You buy a package of red pens, you could put the slide up, and you buy some blue ink inserts, and you throw them in there because nobody steals a red pen. Huh? Right? Am I right? Who steals a red pen? Nobody. But then you have your favorite pen, and you just do it. You'll steal my red pen? No. Um, I travel quite a bit. This is, I think, I keep saying it's my last. I couldn't remember how I put up, but I got like in this tunnel last night of looking at life hacks, and I couldn't stop, and I kept clicking on the next one. But I travel quite a bit and spend time in hotels, and there's nothing worse with getting on an elevator and going to your floor or coming down, and it stops at like every floor, right, because people are trying to get on. Life hack, watch this one. How to use an elevator without stopping. All you do is you hold the closed door button until the door closes, but you keep it held Select your floor, but keep the closed door button going. It'll go right to your floor and not pick anybody else up. Huh? Huh? Uh, I haven't tried this yet, but I'm definitely going to try it. Does anybody try this? Does it work? Does it work? No? No, it doesn't work? I'm going to try it. And then I, this, is, this is my last one. This is self-explanatory for all the tennis players out there. Uh, you could throw that one up. But cutting tennis balls in half lets you store twice more balls of saving space. Let's just sit on that one just for a little while. Life hacks, right? They're everywhere. Um, And the purpose of a life hack, the goal of it is that when you show someone the life hack, um, they want to immediately implement it or start trying that life hack, right? Like some of these I hope you don't try. Some of these I'm definitely trying the elevator one. But the goal of life hacks is when you share it with someone or you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, that would make my life simpler. I need to implement that in my life, right? Right? You ever had those moments where someone shows you something that you've, you've been doing it wrong? <laughs> what? I never knew. And, and it just, you know, my, my favorite phrase around here, Colton's always not, but it, it changes your life. Everything I say to our staff, like, you need to go watch this movie. You need to eat. It'll change your life. Uh, life hacks are supposed to change your life, and that's what we're going to talk about here a little bit this morning. And that's my goal and my hope as you leave here, um, when you hear these words, that I believe God's laid on my heart for this morning that you would immediately want to implement them uh, into your life. And so the title of my sermon this morning is Squad Goals, only because I'm trying to be cool with the young people. Do they even use that term anymore, right? Maybe? Kind of? No? Colton's saying no, but Colton, here's the thing. You're not young anymore. So it's no longer cool for us, but squad goals, and I had to actually look, I kind of knew, but I look up the definition. It says, an aspirational term for what you'd like your group of friends uh, to be or to accomplish. And I thought, huh, that's, uh, that's right there. That's why I've got some squad goals. <coughs> um, and what, what I really want to talk about that is you, you want to be doing life. Colton mentioned about groups. We, we don't want to do life alone here at SunWest. We want to do life together. And... Um, you know, there's aspirations of what you'd like your group of friends uh, to be or to accomplish, but that's not the norm um, because in life, you know, letting people in and doing life together is not always the easiest thing to do, right? Because we get prideful, we get fearful, uh, we don't want people knowing our business, we don't want to appear weak, and so we tend to keep to ourselves um, all the men in, your, in the room, maybe some women too, but if you're like me, you, you can fix it, you can do it yourself if it's broken, I can figure this out. Um, if my marriage is broken, if my kid, my fa- right, we can, we can figure it out. We don't need help. I don't need to let anybody, I don't need to ask. 
And so the life hack for that would be actually that's wrong. Um, we want to do life uh, together. So passage of Scripture that I want to start with this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If you have your phones, if not, you can look at the Sky Bible behind us and uh, you can read this. But Philippians 2, 3, 8 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, and I've highlighted a few things in that passage, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's a powerful scripture, hey? Let's pray. God, we love you. We love your word. We love this community of faith called SunWest, and uh, we just pray that you would open our ears and uh, open our hearts to hear from your word this morning uh, as we jump in together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Looking out for number ones is sometimes the default though, right? You take care of me and that's kind of, that's okay because, <clears throat> you know, if a bear is chasing you, you just need to be faster than the other person next to you, Right? Um, survival is kind of instinct, like it's, it's instinct to take care of yourself or to take care of those closest to you, um, but that, that's normal. You want that. Looking out for number one is sometimes the default, um, but John 15, 13 in the New Living says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And I love that passage, so there's a couple things, um, four or five that I want us to look at this morning, uh, just briefly. And the first one is this, that society <coughs> would probably tell us that when I'm hurting or when you're hurting, you should appear strong. Would that be accurate? Anybody experience that? When you're hurting, or you're going through something difficult, when there's pain, you should appear strong. Or the life hack that I would look at that is when you're hurting, um, you should tell others. That's not easy to do. It's not our default that when we're going, I immediately want to call up someone and say, Tracy, my life's falling apart, I need you. Why? Because that means we have to humble ourselves, we have to put our pride aside, right? And we have to admit that I can't do it on my own. And that's why I love this passage of Scripture. It says that Jesus humbled himself and he served. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 uh, says this, if one part suffers, talking about the body of Christ, right, you and me, each individually, if one part suffers, all the parts Suffer. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. One part is honored, all the parts get honored. Um, when you're hurting, you don't need to appear strong. And some of this this morning, I just want to kind of give to you as um, permission to let it go. You're supposed to cue the song there, you guys. I want to give you permission this morning just to be like, you know what? If you're hurting, it's okay. Tell someone. Don't let society dictate to you that you can't be humble enough or, or open enough or vulnerable enough to just go to a close friend. But here's the thing. If you don't have a close friend, how can you do it? 
And the only way you develop those close friendships is doing life together. That's why we're constantly saying at SunWest, we don't do life alone. That's why we talk every single week out about how important groups are. And people say, well, yeah, but your groups are just like spike ball in the auditorium. Like, how is that even spiritual? Come talk to Conroy about that. Talk to Conroy about how the relationships that are, that are being built in here with people and that sometimes through those relationships of just hanging out, playing spike ball, you feel comfortable enough when something happens or you're hurting, you know you can call someone because you've built a friendship with it. I know Conroy can come up here and tell stories upon stories upon stories of people who have been hurting that he's had conversations with. Why? Because he just built relationship. Not out of ulterior motives, not out of nothing, but he's like, there's going to come a time um, I serve as a police chaplain here in Calgary, and we tell our police officers all the time this one phrase, get to know me before you have to know me. I'm not there to convert them. I'm not there to do anything magical. I'm hanging out with them. I'm just being friends. We're eating. We're drinking coffee, not donuts, but coffee. Um, I'm on ride-alongs for 12 hours with the same two officers in the car, and there's going to come a time when they're going to need someone because they're going to face something critical in their job as a first responder. And we just say, hey, get to know me before you have to. And I like to think about that in relationships. Get to know people before you have to know people, before you really know it. So when you're hurting, you don't need to appear strong. You should tell others. Second thing is this. When I don't know what to do, I can figure it out on my own, right? We're all the dads in the room. When I don't know what to do, I can figure it out on my own. Or the phrase, you know, you ask someone how they're doing, you're like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I've had that conversation many times with people who have just lost a loved one lost a spouse, lost a child, friend in particular who lost a child at a very young age. I was like, hey, man, how are you doing? He's like, I'll be fine. Really? Why do we have to have that appearance where we think, I got it all together. I'm going to be fine. When I don't know what to do, I can figure it out on my own. Or should the life hack be, when I don't know what to do, I should ask for advice from others. Because there's people in this room that have gone through what you've gone through or what you're currently going through. And I find it so freeing sometimes to sit with people that have come out on the other side of things that I'm facing. Why? Because there's so much wisdom in that, and they can say, I was right there. This is how I coped with it. This is how I dealt with it. This is how I handled it. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I never even thought about that. Would you walk with me through that? Yeah, absolutely. But if you're doing life alone, you don't have that option. When I don't know what to do, I can figure it out on my own. No, I should ask for advice. From others, Proverbs 19.20 says, I can, in a group, I can ask for advice. It says this, in Proverbs 19.20, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Why would I try to figure out on my own when there's many people in this community that have already figured it out? Why would I go through? Now, my parents are here this morning. I can hear my dad chuckling inside him because he's always saying, why don't you just listen to me the first time, right? Any other parent in the room? There's so much wisdom, though. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older that I'm finally realizing or I've just been through so many things that I'm finally worn out enough to say I give up. But why would you rather get to that point where you're like, I've tried so many things, I'm done, I give up, I'm at the end of my rope, now let's what's out there. Or would you just say, hey, let's do life together. Let me get all the advice that I can because Proverbs says get all the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Jesus humbled himself. He became a servant. Did Jesus need? No, but he, he modeled to us how we're supposed to do life. Not alone, but in a group. So that when you're trying to figure it all out, why don't you ask? And if, if you're sitting here and saying, I would love to, but I don't have any friends, well, join a group. That's the first step. 
And that one's on you. Because here's what happened. People, I don't have friends. I don't have relationships. I'm not in a group. Nobody's invited me. Well, have you, have you stepped out to try to join? Like, it's not always on other people. We can't, as believers and as people, say, it's on everybody else to take the first step. No, it's also on you. So if you're sitting here this morning and saying, I love all those things you're saying, Chris, but I, I just don't have those relationships. Well, have you tried? Bill Heibel says in one of his books, is just, just walk across the room. It's as simple as that sometimes. You're on this side of the room. You sit here every week. This is your chair. This is your spot. You come in and someone else is in it. You're kind of upset because that's your spot. But you don't know the person that's sitting over here. So maybe just switch it up. I did that years ago at a church that we pastored. I used to sit in the same spot, and I just it hit me after reading that book of just walking across the room that I started sitting in just different spots randomly in the church. Why? Because I was getting comfortable, and I was making the excuses of, well, like, I don't know that person. That person hasn't reached out to me, and I don't have a friendship with them. And God just gently said, well, make the effort. Make the effort. We hear from so many people all the time, well, I don't really feel connected at SunWest. Or I don't really feel connected at my church. Or I don't, and I, my first question is, well, what have you done to connect? <laughs> well, nothing. I mean, nobody's called me, though. I see all these people on social media. They're having parties. They're hanging out, and they're doing this at the lake, and they're going, and they, they never call me. Well, have you called them? Have you invited them? Like, it, it's two, right? It's a two-way street. Are you following me? Are you with me this morning? It's not just others that we get wisdom from. God also gives wisdom, right? James 1.5 says this in the New Living. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking either. I love that part of the scripture. If you need wisdom, ask God. He's generous. But you know what else? He's not, not going like to say, well, you should have you asked me before, or you should know this. Or He's not going to rebuke you for asking. He's there, and it's free, and he's generously giving it to you. So ask him. The third one is this, when I feel weak, I should work harder. Or, when I'm weak, I should have others help carry the load. I just don't know why in the church is so hard sometimes. We have this lone ranger mentality that we feel we have to do it on our own. That's not what God designed the church to be. Community is huge. A lot of this, though, it takes humility. Why? Because it, 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 you have to let somebody else know that you don't have all your stuff together. Can I let you in on a little secret? They already know that. <laughs> they already know that. So we're better together. Why can't we just let those walls down? Why can't we just, why can't we just say, hey, I'm weak. I'm struggling. I need your help carrying this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we use this a lot when we talk to couples about marriage and in, and in wedding and, and relationships, but, it, but I love in chapter 9, it says two people are better than one. And this is not just in marriage. This is in friendship. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. Anybody want to succeed? No, I don't want to succeed. No. We all want to succeed. Two are better than one. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Like, Pastor Colton does some serious hiking, right? You were out yesterday, I believe. If you're going to go for a stroll, even if it's just not a, like a big hike, you don't necessarily want to go at it alone. If something happens out of your control, if you slip, if you fall, if you, but, but in serious climbing and hiking, like, 
If you fall alone, I love this passage. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if you climb alone, or if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Do you, like, it's so practical when we read it in Scripture, right? Like, that makes sense. I get it. Don't, don't go alone if you fall. Yeah, but why don't we practice it in our lives? Why don't we let people into our mess to say, help me figure this out? Two people are better than one. We can help each other succeed, so let's do it. If I fall alone, I'm, I'm doomed. But if I fall with you next to me, at least you can help me up. God says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on me. <laughs> Why? Because I care for you. Cast them on me. You don't have to carry them alone. And, and here's the newsflash. We all struggle with sin, so we need accountability. We all struggle and we all lack wisdom, so we need advice. We need counsel. We all wrestle with our faith, so we need a safe place to talk. The most freeing thing that you can do, that I can do, is admit that you can't do it on your own and ask someone to walk with you. It's, it's so freeing. I mean, these last few years for me, it's been revolutionary. I know, mo- like people who know me, know me, like who really know me, know that it's always, you know, heart on the sleeve type of person. You, like, but more so probably in the last five or six years, I'm like, I, I just don't care what people think about me anymore. I don't care about my failures and my fears and my flaws. I want to succeed. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best pastor. I want to be the best employee. I want, and so I need help. And I can't appear because you know what? The only person I'm fooling if I appear to have it all together, who am I fooling? Myself. So people always say, you're, oh, you're so, you're a little bit, I don't know if I could do, like you're pretty vulnerable. You're pretty, you just throw it, I don't know if I could do. I'm like, why not? The only pride that's on the line is your own. And if we follow this passage of scripture in Philippians, Jesus modeled to us, like just be humble, lay it down. Model that. You know what's attractive to people who are, aren't journeying in faith? Is that. <laughs> because they know we don't have it together anyways. Correct? Saw this beautiful illustration. I want to use it this morning. Stephen Furtick um, did it. And I was just like, oh, I've seen it so many times. But then again, this week I saw it again. I'm like, this fits. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to pull it off a little bit. But I do need help. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure that Kendall's here yet, is she? Maybe? Pastor Kendall, up from, she said she might be. No? She was here. She's here. She's in the building, but she's with kids. That's okay. I'm going to get Colin to come up anyways, and we'll get her to come when she, when she gets here because she's call, coming. But I'm also, I'm also going to get Drew and Joe to come up. And uh, this might be more uncomfortable for Joe than it is for Drew, uh, but I'm going I'm to invite them up anyways. And um, we're going we're gonna to do a couple things, all right? Here is this beautiful thing that I worked on last night. Here, here is a garden. <laughs> like my garden? A beautiful green thumb. Here, here's the garden. And this garden, it, it represents um, the love of a relationship and all the potential of a relationship, right? Beautiful, beautiful garden that I've made. Um, and, and then, I need you guys to spread out a little bit. You kind of come up here. Drew, you come, come up in the front here. Oh, we got Kendall too. And so if this represents um, our garden, right, of, of the love of relationships and everything, then this here represents um, 
offense. Offense. Offense, right? Someone offended you. Huh? Right? This represents offenses that are going to come um, into your life, into your relationships. And let me tell you something. For those of you that think they won't, they're going to come. It's not if they come. They will come. Um, because everybody carries offense. Everybody is given offense. Everybody gets, and it's, it, it, it's coming, all right? And so we're going we're gonna to give this one to uh, Joe right here. And uh, Colin's already grabbing some, he's like, I want some vents. I got lots going. We might, I don't know what we're going to do with this over right here. Um, wowzers. Um, but the, the, the thing is, I'm going to, you can pick it up, it's okay. It, I'm, I'm going to move here so, so they can kind of see you. Um, but this is what will determine um, how you keep a strong relationship with, your, with, with God and yourself as well because I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever said something. Um, this is how, I won't talk to you. I'll talk, I don't know if you've ever said something, Drew, that you didn't really mean to say, but it came out of your mouth anyways, and Joe was offended by it. Does that ever happen in, in your relationship? Never? Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, what, a, what about... Um, Maybe Colin, you're holding this one right here, and uh, there's this term about putting your foot in your mouth, right? But maybe sometimes you've, maybe even unintentionally, um, loaded the dishwasher wrong. And, um, and so Kendall and I have had a little discussion, right? Like she's, she wants it done a certain way, and you do it, but it's not the right way, right? Which is your way. And, but but it, it, it bugs her so much, that she probably like reloaded it herself and did it. But like Colin is not a mean person, right? Colin is not a mean person and he unintentionally, he just didn't even know um, and he did something. But it has the potential for Kendall to take it and just really stew on it. It's like every time he loads the dishwasher. But does Colin know that if she doesn't tell him? But it has the potential of Kendall to take this and... This offense is something that she holds on to, and it begins to grow inside of her, and she just has no idea what's going on. And then there's other times that Kendall does things that really upsets Colin. And, you know, are you, are you with me? Like, you can easily be, be offended. Now, I know, like, within a marriage, it's easy, right? Because we're guys, and so we do it all the time. So you say something... And you don't even realize it. And Joe's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that to me. And she can hold on again, right? Like, yeah. Again. And so all of a sudden, um, you're, you're, you, the offense happens to you and you're carrying it, but then you just, you wedge it right in there and you hold on to it and it becomes a little bit more permanent of, of an offense. And sometimes it's not even what you say or, or what you don't say or don't do. Um, and that's what we call, here, here's what I... For, for big-time offenses, if you're in the room, if you're with me, offenses happen when expectations are not met. Unmet expectations are the breeding ground of offense. And let me tell you the breeding ground of unmet expectations. The breeding ground of unmet expectations are unexpressed expectations. 
Kendall has this expectation of Colin, but she's never, ever communicated to him. And so he's not doing it right. He's not saying it right. He's not. And so he is never going to succeed. And Kendall has the potential to hold on to that offense or vice versa, Colin. And it just continues to build. Right? Are you following me? Are you, I, is this ringing home for maybe some of you? Yeah. Stop nudging your spouse. Unexpressed, unexpressed expectations are like, oh my gosh. Like if you've ever had, and, and, and you might think, well, that's great, you're talking about marriage. No, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about working relationships with coworkers. It can happen, but we, we just got to learn to talk to each other. We got to learn to talk to each other. And let, let me explain, maybe, maybe unexpressed in this way, okay? So um, <laughs> I'm going to make this up, okay? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know that this is, theor- theoretically speaking, um, Joe's, Joe's got an offense. Why? Because Joe grew up in a home where birthdays were celebrated. It was a big deal. She waked up and she waked up. She waked up and she would wake up in the morning and immediately her dad would have her favorite breakfast, right? Pancakes, fresh fruit. Is this her? Oh, the Lord is just speaking through us this morning. <laughs> At breakfast, you know, Birthdays were a huge deal. And so ever, like from the moment she woke up, like breakfast in bed, there was balloons, there was her fate, like her dad would write her a song and sing, Joe, it's your birth. Like, I'm not going to sing it, but, and it was just a big deal from the moment you woke up. And now some of you in the room, it's like, it's not just your birthday's a big deal, right? It's birthday week, right? It starts like a weekly, it's like, come on, birthday week. This is my birthday week. We're going to celebrate for, for seven days, all right? Um, I just had an idea. It's my 40th this year. Where's my wife? I think I should get 40 presents for, no. Um, but, but Joe, had, right, she, that, that's how she grew up. But then, like, Drew, he, he, didn't, he didn't grow up. Birthdays weren't a big deal, right? He, he, <laughs> birthdays really weren't a big deal at Drew's house. And so he's just like, well, it's your birthday. You didn't do anything. You were just born. Like, what? Like, you just, you just happened. You just came out. It was like, you just came out. You didn't do anything. We should celebrate your mom, not you. Um, what, but, but because, because Drew grew up like that, right, um, all of a sudden, he doesn't uh, celebrate Joe the way that, that she feels she was celebrated, but he had no idea. He's just like, hey, I'm going to work, love you, babe, happy birthday, uh, we'll go out to the keg tonight because that's what we do, it's your favorite restaurant, um, which, is, which is not, if you know Drew, it's not, um, or Joe. So I know, I know you're vegetarian, but we didn't want to bring that up. It's okay. Now everybody's judging you because you don't eat meat, right? I didn't want to go there, but you went there. So um, you're going to Freshie because, right? No? We're going to stick to the cake, right? Because everybody loves the cake, except these two. Um, they, have great, <laughs> they have great potatoes. And so you don't do anything uh, with this. And you leave and go to work, and you're like, we're going to go for dinner after. But what you've actually done is you've, you've now offended your wife. So you can give her that offense, right? And she's, she's already huffing. And so she's dwelling on this all day, right? She's thinking about how life could be so much better with someone who paid attention to her needs. No, I'm just kidding. She's, but she's offended, right? She's now offended. And Colin and, and Kendall over here... I mean, Colin is like, 
we're going to watch baseball all night because that's the cool thing to do, right? But Kendall had other plans, and she's like, Colin, we can't, we can't just watch baseball all night. Or, or maybe, like this happens to us, and I didn't get permission to say this one, and I don't see my, oh shoot, she's in the back. Um, somebody needs you outside for a second. <laughs> Guys, maybe, maybe you can relate to this one, okay? And, and my wife's not, don't, she's not a bad person, she's amazing. But what I've learned happens sometimes, and I don't know if Kendall's like this, I kind of think she's not, but um, probably. Um, like I work hard, right? I work hard. I'm a hard worker. I grew, I mean, that was instilled in me. I, my dad's laughing. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. I work hard. Um, and, you know, I, my, as men, like, we want to provide for our families, right? So I do that, like, provision just financially and making sure they have everything they need. And I come home and I'm exhausted and, you know, I work, do my thing. And my wife walks in through the door and she's got a few shopping bags uh, wrapped up her arms. I don't, I mean, maybe Kendall's like, I don't know, maybe not. We'll make it up. She's like it. He's like, she is, she's totally like it. And so, um, not that Amanda's a a big spender, but in our marriage, it was like, hey, I want my wife to have nice things. It's not bad to shop, but I like to communicate about it, right? Like if, if you're going to go get something, let's just talk about it. Is this the right time to do it? Like, do we have money? Are we, like, I take care of the finances in my family. Maybe you don't, but we just, I just want to communicate. I don't care that you bought a new purse. Well, you have nine more in the, but that's, I don't care that you bought another one, um, but just let's talk about it before the purchase is made, right? And so then all of a sudden, I'm laying awake at night, and it, I'm like, well, what did she do? Why did she, she went and bought clothes for the kids because it's back to school. Like, they need that, right? But inside, I'm like, I'm working so hard. I, I'm like going to work, and I'm coming home tired, and she comes home, and she's just got bags and bags of shopping, and doesn't she know how hard I work? Doesn't she know that I'm trying to provide for our family, and she doesn't need one more purse? And doesn't she know that she's got those shoes in blue? She doesn't need them in red, too? She should, she should know that I work so hard, and all of a sudden, I'm stewing in bed, and I'm offended over something that's just so stupid. Right? But what about, what about you? What about in community? What about at church? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe you're a youth here and you're like, well, I'm going through a really hard time right now. Um, my best friend just said they didn't want to be best friends anymore. Because that's a real thing, right? You might chuckle, but that's real to a high school kid. My boyfriend broke up with me, my girlfriend. I don't know. And my youth leader didn't even call me. Depends our youth leader probably didn't even know. This is my favorite in the church. I'm like, as a pastor, you're like, oh, I had a worst day ever. I lost my job. My dad just got diagnosed with cancer, and the pastor didn't even call me. The pastor didn't even know. It just happened. None of my friends reached out to me. I'm having such a hard time going through this right now. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. And nobody is calling me. You name it. You, you, you do whatever it is. Like, you know what you carry offenses over, right, in your family. I can't believe all of our friends got together for a barbecue and we didn't get invited. <laughs> 
Those seem so trivial, right? But all of a sudden, all these little offenses have built up to something. And in our relationships now, In our relationships, what God has intended and designed for us to be together is now separated. We've now, we've now built a fence because of the things that we've, we've held on to. And now, offenses will get handed to you. It's not a matter of, of when, right? They will. And that's not wrong. It's what you do with them. And so all of a sudden now, all these little things have built up that we haven't talked about expectations aren't being met or expectations aren't being expressed and all of a sudden you have poor old Drew back here and he's saying hey Joe Joe we, we haven't gone to the keg in a while Joe I want to eat meat again Joe will you, will you, will you still love me <laughs> hey Joe but, but because we've allowed a fence to creep in all of a sudden now we have a barrier in between us right and those fence boards turn into I can't believe you did that I can't believe you said that I can't believe and what God now created is separated. But we're not only separated from friendships, but now this separates us from God. We, we, can be, we, we can't be in a right relationship with him when we have offenses against each other. And it, it separates us from relationship with God. And if we can't be in right relationship with God, then it affects all of our other relationships. The enemy's agenda, you see, is destruction. And his strategy is division, and his tactics is offense. We can't do life alone. We've got to do it together, but we've got to be careful as we're doing it together not to pick up an offense. Thankfully, what? You want to rip it down? No. Thankfully, Jesus has given us another way. Thankfully, Jesus has given us the greatest life hack of all. If only we could find an example of someone who had every right to be offended. If only we could find someone who had every right to stand far away from us and distance himself. If only we could find an example, but Jesus, with his arms stretched out at the cross, said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you the love. I'm going to humble myself even to death on a cross. If only, right? But Jesus has given us that ultimate life hack by opening his arms. And he said, this is the way of relationship, reconciliation. But you're going to have to learn to do one thing. And that one thing, watch this. It's really simple when you're offended because Jesus showed us a way, you're going to have to learn to drop it. 
And when things come and things happen and something is said or something is done that you can quickly take offense to, you have to learn to drop it. Aggressively. Jesus was so convinced of this in his teaching in Matthew 25 that he even said this. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has said uh, someone <laughs> that someone has something against you, you need to leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God because you can't properly connect to God without learning to Ah, that was pretty good. We try that one again. You guys can even help. But when stuff happens to you, right, you got to at, at work, at home, in all of your relationships, you got to take those offenses and say, they're not going to have a hold on me. I'm not going to allow them to separate me from God. I'm not going to allow them to separate me from my spouse. I'm not going to allow them to separate me from my children. I'm not going to allow them to separate me from my family. I'm not going to allow them to separate from my right relationship with Christ. Because when offense comes and I hold it in my hand, I have a choice to drop it. And I'm going to take it. And as Christ forgave me, I'm going to forgive others, right? Thank you, guys. You can go sit. We've got a bunch of boards here. We can't do life alone. The cross has made a way. It's the greatest life hack of all. And, I, and I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just, I fear in the church that we get away. I mean, we do a good job of that Easter, right? But we get away from even talking about the cross. We, we, we don't talk about it enough. But the greatest life hack of all is the cross. What was intended for one thing is no, right? Like, it, this is a better way. This is better than Legos organizing your cable cords. Right? Like, the cross is the ultimate life hack, especially in relationships. And Colossians 3.13 says that we need to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others as well. And so, one of the only fitting things that I could think of today to kind of end our morning is to think of the ultimate life hack at all, of all, which is the cross and what that represents to each of us in relationship and how we can, how we can go further in relationships, not just like with spouses, not just with our kids, but as a community of faith, as co-workers, how we can go further than we've ever imagined before in relationships if we're willing just to humble ourselves like Christ did on the cross and paid the ultimate sacrifice. But the only way we can do that is to be reminded to bring everything to the foot of the cross, right? And lay all those offenses at the foot. So I'm going to ask you to do something real quick as we're wrapping up this morning. And I want everybody in the room, just if you could respect this moment, just go ahead and close your eyes. The band's not going to come right away, but I want you to listen to this song. It's taken it back a little bit. Some of you will know it. Some of you won't. But I want you just to listen to the words of this song because there was nothing more fitting that I could think of this morning 
been listening to these words on repeat for the last day, two days. But listen to these words in light of the ultimate life hack and squad goals of doing life together and not alone and what that brings. And I don't have to have my stuff together, but we're greater together. I want you to keep your eyes closed and I want you just to listen to the words of this song. the greatest example of letting things go. Um, many of you uh, in the room know that I work uh, also with, uh, with Billy Graham uh, Canada. And uh, over the last year, I've been doing a lot of work in, in the north. And just this last week, um, a few weeks ago, they had a, a major tragedy. And I think I've shared this with some of you, but... A young man that I met back in February, Solomon. Solomon's about 28 years old and uh, was out on the lake with uh, two young boys, one being his own four-year-old son. And, um, and they ran out of fuel. So Solomon, um, being like most fathers, right, wanting to fix things and wanting to uh, provide and protect and uh, wanting to take care, decided that he would... Um, jump in the lake and swim for help to get more fuel because they were stranded and this lake is like a massive lake and so uh, Solomon left two young boys in the boat and that was the last time those two boys saw Solomon Uh, Solomon drowned going for help and it's uh, it's it's devastated the community you're talking about a small community of about 2,000 people and he was very involved with uh, local sports and hockey and uh, you know a role model for the teenagers. And uh, many times in Christian faith, and I wasn't even sure if I would share this, but many times in Christian faith, we're told to get out of the boat, right? In faith, like take that step, take that leap, get out of the boat, trust God, take risks. But sometimes God is asking us to stay in the boat and not jump ship. The people in the boat need you. And I just, I just really felt uh, just even this piece this morning was for someone, and maybe for multiple people here, but people in the boat need you. I, I know inside of you, you think, I need to go for help. I need to get out of here. I need to look out for me. I need to look out. And you think you're doing the right thing by getting out of the boat. 
But in this situation, I feel like God's saying, stay in the boat. The people need you. Help us coming. Stay in the boat. Shortly after, the, the, the children were found by other people in another boat and brought them to safety. But still a tragedy in losing one individual. And I just really feel God saying, help us coming. Stay in the boat. Don't jump ship. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but I just wrote down a few of these things. And it's just God saying, don't jump ship on your marriage. Help us coming. Don't jump ship on friendships. Help us coming. Don't jump ship on your kids. Help us coming. Don't jump ship on your church. Help is coming. Don't jump ship on your faith. Help is coming. The cross is where we need to find that. But we have to hear the word of God and obey it. We have to do life alone. We can't do it on our own. We need each other. And all of us are in the boat. And sometimes you feel like you're doing the right thing by getting out of the boat because you're looking out for you and you're looking out for your family. And you think, well, I'm not getting what I need in this boat. There's a better boat over here. Or I need, this boat is sinking. Or the people in the boat need help. So what I'm doing is right. But really what you're doing is bringing danger to yourself and the people in the boat. So God's saying, just stay put. But James 1 talks about listening and doing, and I close with this. It says, understand this, brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get anger. Slow to get angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So don't take up offense, right? Don't, when things happen to you, when you're in the boat and it's uncomfortable. That doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of the filth, get rid of the evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls but don't just listen to God's word it's not just the words I'm sharing you this morning but it's the promises it's the provision it's the instruction it's the challenges in God's word don't just listen to it but you must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourself for if you listen to the word and obey it it's like glancing at your if you listen to the word And don't obey it. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. That's ridiculous, right? Does that sound ridiculous? But that's what we're doing. If you listen to the word but do not obey it. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Hear this. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. And if you don't do what it says and don't forget what you've heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. Because listen, the goal of a life hack, right? What I said before is when you show someone, you want to immediately leave here and implement it. You want to start using that. And that's my hope this morning. Why? Because all of this, everything that we've talked about, even in the entire life hack series, is for one common person. It's for one common purpose. Common purpose is when you're hurting, you need others. When you need wisdom, you need others. When you're weak, you need others. When you have offense, you need others. When you're tempted to jump ship, you need others. Why? Because we all have a mission and purpose. And that is to take the greatest message that we have ever received in the message of the cross and bring it to others. Our common goal and our common purpose in this entire life hack is we need to make disciples and we need each other to keep us on mission because some days, you know what, if I'm on, I don't feel like making disciples and I bet you if I were to pool the room, there's some days that you don't feel like making disciples. We're honest with each other. There's many days that we're not even trying to make disciples, but that's what we're called 
to do and we're on mission in pur- on purpose together. But if the enemy can keep us disconnected and isolated and on either sides of the fence from each other, from God, from our relationships, from our children, from our neighbors, if we choose to pick up a fence and not drop it, then we're not going to want to carry out our mission. And that's why this morning here at SunWest we have groups. Not because we need them. Not because we needed to do like another program and, and fill the spot on the calendar. Not because we needed something else to do. We have them because we can't do life alone. Why? Because each of us have a common mission that we're on together. And I need you to keep me on mission and you need me to keep you on mission in everything that we do in our lives. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with us. The worship team is going to lead us quietly. But I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. I'm going to give you opportunity in two things. There's many of you here this morning that you're saying, you know what, what you said, and even, even looking at you throw those pickets, those fence pickets on the ground, like something happened inside me where something's clicked and I've realized I'm holding on. I'm holding on to a fence that I need to drop. Some of you even saying the way of the cross, I don't even know that way of the cross, but I want to know it. And some of you here have never made that decision to say, hey, Jesus, what you're doing, what you've done, I want to be a part of. It makes sense to me right now. And I want to capitalize on this moment to say, I don't have it all figured out, but God, whatever you're doing, I want in. And I humbly come and lay myself at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Help me to live how your word teaches us to live. Come into my life and change me. And there's people here this morning that you need to make that commitment today. But there's many of you here that just, it, it, it's rung in your head that, yeah, you know what? I've been living, I've built those fences in many relationships. Or I haven't gotten fully out of church, out of groups, out of life here in this community, out of my own family, out of my own marriage with my own children, because I've allowed a fence to build up where I'm separated. And you're saying, I want to help. I need help tearing down those fences this morning. I need to be healthy. I need to be better. And I don't want to look back and say, I'm on one side of the fence and everybody I love is on the other. What have I done? So if that's you, if you fall into any of those categories this morning, I just want to give you a simple opportunity to respond to that. We have prayer teams here. And I know we do this every week and people come forward for prayer, what they're going on in their lives. But especially this morning, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. And if any of you want to experience a relationship with Jesus for the very first time, this morning is your morning. But also, if any of you feel like you've carried all these offenses around for far too long and you need help dropping it, then I want to invite you to come forward as well and say, no more will I do life alone. No more will I allow offenses to block what God really has for me. And so I'm going to let the worship team just play quietly up here. I'm going to pray for you. If you have to go, God bless you. I hope you have a fantastic week. And we look forward to seeing you back here next week. But if you need time to just come forward and pray with one of our prayer team members for any of those reasons that I've mentioned or any other reasons.
then I'm going to invite you to stay as the worship team quietly just worships and have a moment between yourself and God. And, and, and I really feel just even this, the significance of stepping out and coming forward to pray with someone is you saying, I'm not going to do life alone anymore. I'm not going to do life alone anymore. I choose to do life together and I need help. And it's one of the most beautiful things I think you will ever do. Amen? God bless you. Let's pray, worship team. Then you can lead us. Have a fantastic week. God, we love you. We love your word. We love this community that we have. And God, we just want it to be more than we've ever dreamt it could be. And so I pray this morning you would just help us to grasp the significance of what it means to lay aside our pride and, our, and be humble and drop our offenses and ask for help in the face of overwhelming circumstances sometimes. God, we do not need to appear like we have it together or figured out, but we need each other. And this morning, we choose to not do life alone. I pray that you would, you would burn that desire so deep in our hearts here this morning, that we would walk away from here and we would want to implement this greatest life hack of all and walk in community, genuine community with you and with other believers because we need each other to complete the mission that you have called us to. Father, be with us this week. Continue to stir our hearts. Continue to speak to our minds. Continue to transform our lives in relationship. And help us to find those individuals, those groups of people that we need to come into relationship with God to help us be better people, to help us to wrestle through the things that we're wrestling through to bring clarity and wisdom and advice and counsel and hope for a better day. And we pray all these things in the name of your son. Everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come forward this morning. If not, God bless you. Have amazing